Hey, adventurers, before we get started today, I wanted to let you know that this episode was pre-recorded and the Kickstarter initially got pushed back by a couple of weeks. So when you hear us say, oh, this is coming to Kickstarter, eh, the date might be wrong. The launch is November 9th, same time as we're launching this episode. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome, adventurer, to the Level Up Board Game Podcast, a show that uses your experiences and opinions to discuss board games and the gaming community. Join the heroes as they conquer perils such as meeples, cards, and miniatures, all in an effort to level up. You're listening to the Level Up Board Game Podcast. Welcome, adventurers, to episode 35 of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. My name is Patrick. This is Josh. And that's a voice you might recognize, Josh, from our Lost Loot segment. Welcome, Josh, and I'm glad you could join me for this episode. You know what? It's really great to be here, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. Now, typically, whenever we do a side quest, it's Scott or I will reach out to a designer and uh, maybe the designer has a listing on Facebook or somewhere that they're advertising that they want to you know, spread the word and get review copies out there or have people join them and play on TTS. This go round, you brought this game to my attention. So you've got a pretty good game to talk about today. Yes, I do. I have a very good game to talk about today. The way I found this game is that I'm part of a online playtesting group, several online playtesting groups actually, one of them being the uh, Board Game Design Lab. And it was on that page I was able to meet Nicholas Foyner, who's actually the designer of this game we're talking about today. And through mutual acquaintances and just reaching out, I was able to playtest this game and see it into this stage where it's about to come on Kickstarter at the end of the month. And that game is Mega Pulse. Yes, yes, and thanks for getting me in touch with Nicholas. We had the chance to play this together on TTS and had a really good time with it. Scott couldn't join us. We were trying to get him loaded up and logged in, and, well, Scott living in the middle of nowhere, his computer would not cooperate, so he didn't get to join us for the playthrough, but I thought, you know what? Josh introduced this to me. He'd played it. I haven't had you on for an episode yet, so I thought, hey, that, let's let's get, do Josh and I for a walkthrough of Megapulse. What do you say? You want to do it? Let's do the walkthrough. Woo! <laughs> Now that is enthusiasm. Designed by Nicholas Fournier and Samuel Desjardins, live on Kickstarter from Orion Games, Megapulse is an action-packed, card-driven, no pun intended, racing game set in a dystopian future. The game takes place over several rounds until a player crosses the finish line. At that point, the remaining players play out the round and whoever's the farthest past the finish line wins the game. At the start of Megapulse, players will build a racetrack. This is pretty straightforward, but there is a 50-plus page track book that you can use which provides a wide variety of tracks, how to set them up, how they handle, and even lore. Or you can just build it however you like. Once the track is ready, players will each select an asymmetric pilot and player board. We should note that your pilot comes with seven base cards. These are basic actions such as movement and gaining traction, which all players have access to. At the beginning of a round of play, each player will select two cards from their hand and play them face down. When ready, everyone reveals their cards and in turn order, they carry out their two actions. We should note that some of these cards might have a lightning bolt symbol. This simply means that this card is carried out before regular actions for the round, a simple but tactically rich decision. As you might expect, many cards allow you to move a number of spaces, say forward three. 
Now here's where I need you, dear adventurer, to visualize this with me. The three rectangles in front of your car on the track, yeah, they oftentimes have an arrow pointing on a diagonal to the next space that you have to move to. So the rectangle in front of me might have an arrow pointing to the left. So I don't just get to go forward out of that rectangle, I go forward and to the left. The rectangle in front of that might have the same thing, so again, forward and to the left. The problem now is that the next rectangle is the start of a turn, and I'm on the outside portion of it. When I go forward, I graze the wall and I start taking damage. Not to fear though, some of the cards you'll play have a little traction symbol which effectively will allow you to ignore the little arrows on the track spaces. Not just for the card that it's on, but for the whole turn. This is especially important for avoiding damaging walls, but also for hitting turbo spots or repair pads on the track. As racers speed along the course, they will hit checkpoints, and when doing so, the player receives an upgrade token which can be used to purchase an upgrade. When we set up the game, a deck of upgrade cards got shuffled and four were flipped face up, basically creating a market. You can use your token to acquire one of these cards. Furthermore, some of these upgrades have static abilities that can be upgraded again with a token later in the race. Now there's one last phase to a player turn, and that's the ready-up phase, in which you'll collect your cards that you've played back to your hand for the next round. In this way, you'll always have access to all seven basic action cards, as well as any upgrades that are not one-time use only. Now there's a lot more to Mega Pulse than I went over in this overview. Collisions, bombs, frenzy tokens, and I especially love charging up Nitro to build up for an epic turn, most of which is accomplished through the cards that you have to work with. That said, I hope this overview gives you an idea of what to expect when you get in the driver's seat. Now let's dig a little deeper and get under the hood of this high action racing game. It's time for the 8-bit breakdown of Mega Pulse. Centuries ago, humanity found what was rumored to be intelligent life in another galaxy. To their surprise, they instead stumble across another human civilization, then another, then hundreds more. Humanity's journey through the stars had left it fragmented. Colonization missions sent thousands of years ago were being forgotten in the sheer scale of our expansion, and the universe was now the mother of hundreds of estranged nations. The new era began the day the Dictate, a mysterious, advanced human organization, self-proclaimed themselves as the one and true law of the universe and regrouped utopias and dystopias alike into what was called the Rebirth of Mankind. To this day, many try to flee the Dictate's influence and hide into distant lands and unknown worlds. To access these lands, refugees must pay an impossible fee, and are often exiled or taken as slaves. However, there is a backdoor. Sub-G Racing. A deadly, ruthless sport where anything is allowed said to provide enough money to its champions to pay the fee and start a new life. Vibrant planets, moons of low gravity, and eerie space structures are the home to these anti-gravity races. Those lucky enough to survive and become fan favorites are invited to the last stop on their journey to freedom. The Megapulse Circuit. Ooh, a little flavor. Hey, I like that. Josh, you ready? My first eight-bit breakdown... It is absolutely weird, but also really exciting to be on the other end of this. Well, Adventures, whenever we do a review on Level Up, we do the 8-bit breakdown. We're going to look at eight little bits of this game and break them down one by one to give you our thoughts on them. And we start with the art and components. Bit number one, Josh. So the art components in this game, Patrick, in my opinion, are fantastic. It is a fusion of 
Mario Kart, Speed Racer, and Tron Legacy. Did you ever see that movie Speed Racer um, that came out, I don't know, 10, maybe 15 years ago? Yeah, I have not. Okay. It is absolutely awful, but I absolutely love it because it gives me the exact same feeling that Megapulse does, a nonstop action-packed adrenaline-filled experience that encourages you to go faster. Yes. And because of the look and neon nature of Tron Legacy and Speed Racer, the art reflects that. It is both simplistic but evocative. And I think it just really plays in well nicely to the entire experience. The neon futuristic look works really well in the game's favor. Yeah, I can agree with all of that. You've got uh, art and components that are clean and sleek. You've got a graphic design that's intuitive, too. I don't feel like I ever need to double-check the rules to see what a symbol means, you know? I love the neon colors on the track. They're shooting for this, like you said, like a futuristic hover car racing game. I think they nailed it with that track. Now, the the art is minimal. We have black, white, and we have colors uh, uh, that represent your pilot. Like if you're the red player, you're going to have black and white with like red as a tertiary color on the card. It sounds unexciting, but I'm telling you it works. Now, as far as components go, I really love them. I did it on TTS, so I didn't get like the full actual physical component experience. Yeah, same issue I ran into. But from what was told to me by some of my friends who play tested this in person before, they have little plastic miniatures for the cars. Um, they're going to do something special with the actual cards, though. Little actual, you know, cards. They're doing something special from my understanding. Um, the boards are cardboard, and so they work really well together as far as fitting them together. What I really love about this is the actual player board. I don't know about you, Patrick, but I found that player board to be extremely functional. Oh, yeah. What with the triple layers and you can slide the upgrades underneath. I loved it. Yeah, you can't go wrong with triple layer cardboard. Well, bit number two is all about theme and immersion. How does this game get you in the seat of that hover car? What do you think, Josh? I think the mixture of art and components and mechanics draws you in and really gets you immersed in this experience. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The uh, mechanical aspect of, you know, constantly looking backwards and forwards, who's in front of you if you're in a multiplayer game, gives you the feeling that you're in a high stakes race and that Mm -hmm. there's a lot on your line, possibly your life, and according to the game's kind of story, possibly your freedom. See, I wasn't getting as much as the story of the game when playing. This felt more of a a game that sucked me in through the card play, through the tense moments, and quite frankly, through thinking out my turn. I think it's a game where you're constantly thinking about what you're going to be able to do next turn based on what you do this turn. There's a big play on where you're at in, in comparison with the other racers. You're right about that. The theme, man, F-Zero, Super Nintendo F-Zero. From the colors to the card play to the, I mean, the hover cars, everything about it just put me right back in 10-year-old me's shoes in front of a Super Nintendo. They captured that tremendously. Well, let's take it to bit number three, then the complexity. How difficult is it to learn and play this game? I thought it was easy. Uh, As a show, we've been on a hot streak of playing games that are easy to learn but have extremely rich decisions to make during the game. I like that you can get upgrades but the base seven cards don't change. And it's not a deck building game either. You have access to those cards every turn. That's pretty easy to sit down with new players and be like, here's your seven, here's your seven. Or if I'm learning it for the first time, it was that simple. There's a little bit of a hurdle, turn one, game one, where it's like, oh my goodness, I need to understand what all seven of these are. But I don't think that it's going to take several plays to learn how to play the game. 
but it is going to take several plays to learn how to maximize your pilot ability, and that track is going to be a little bit different every game that's going to make it that much juicier. What do you think? I would describe this game's complexity as kind of a welcoming plus. Yeah, okay. Um, some aspects of the game, like how turns work and some of the booster pads, like there's different sections of the of the uh, racetrack usually that have bonuses, aren't necessarily intuitive, and there's a lot of thought that goes into how you're going to move your car. But it isn't non-approachable either. There are definitely some aspects of the game that I think will be very attractive to new players. No doubt. Um, especially the idea of not rolling dice or, you know, just being able to have a bunch of cards that are going to be throughout this, pretty much the same throughout the entire mm-hmm. game can really help a new gamer understand the game pretty quickly and pick it up. So we're thinking maybe like a gateway plus on complexity. Now, if I'm backing this thing on Kickstarter and I've never played it before, I'm going to have to learn via the rule book. What'd you think? This is a very well-designed rulebook. I know they're still updating it right now, but the way I had it um, when I was playtesting it, for a little backstory behind that, I actually did a blind playtest for Nicholas with uh, three other players, and so we just read the rulebook and played. And I gotta tell you, this this thing is sleek, attractive, and it's just like the game itself. It guided us through the rules really easily. We only messed up on one slight part, and Nicholas is fixing that as we speak before the campaign actually goes up. But I feel like this this rulebook is just one of the best I've seen in a long time. If there's any designers out there or publishers, take a look at Megapulse's rulebook. It is great. Yeah, I mean, you basically covered it. So I'll go with what Josh said times two. Now, it's available on the website, and I had a chance to read it over while creating the, the walkthrough for the game. And like the rest of the game, it's neat. It's sleek. I'm calling this thing the Apple product of rulebooks. It is that nice. It's got theme at the beginning. It's got the component list, the setup chart, you know, with the picture and and the little line saying, this is where you put your pieces. This is where you put your cards, which for some reason, some rulebooks don't have. Uh, They got an FAQ section in the back, as well as a reference. You can't help but feel like they've done a rulebook before, or maybe even hired someone to put this thing together. I don't know. It's just that good. So rulebook checks out. Beautiful. Perfect. Now, what if I'm not learning the game from the rulebook and I'm, I'm trying to get better at it? I, I, you know, I've figured the game out or someone taught it to me. How long does it take to get good at the game or, or to understand the game? So let's move to bit number five, the learning curve. This is in how long does it take for you to understand how to play? Honestly, play a lap or two and you're basically going to go, you're going to know everything you need to know in order to play this game from now until forever, basically. Now, Learning curve as in how long does it take to understand how to play well? I mean, I have no idea. Some games just unfold before my eyes and I can pick out the strategies fairly easily. Like a game where each decision, I don't know, is like a math problem or a probabilities problem. I just have to think for a moment to come to a right or a probable conclusion. Megapulse threw so many variables at me that I couldn't do that. Uh, I think it'd take a long time before, before I start saying to myself, like, I've seen this situation before. I don't know. What do you think about the learning curve, Josh? So I would say as far as learning curve, Megapulse is not hard to learn, but it is difficult to become very good at it. I'm not going to say the whole cliche, easy to learn, difficult to master, because I don't think that describes the game good. It just all depends on what you choose to focus on. Sometimes there's I mean, you have the option to, you know, focus on a certain type of racer, focus on a certain type of car, focus on certain upgrades. You know, there's there's different strategies you can do in this game to become good at it. And I think 
that's where the learning cup comes in is choosing what you like and trying to push yourself in that direction. It's more in your strategic um, decisions. I do definitely agree with the idea that a person who has played this more often will be better at it than a person who hasn't played it, like most games. But this one will definitely, there'll be a gap between people who are really good at Mega Pulse and people who are just starting to be good at Mega Pulse. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Let's move on to bit number six. This is one of my favorites, and especially for Mega Pulse, where we talk replayability and variability. Well, you're always going to have access to the same base card, so having some changes in your game based on the market is a somewhat minor variable, really. The biggest number of variables here are the track and the number of laps that you play. I can set up a track with a ton of turbo spaces, and we could be whizzing around it at light speed for two laps. I could also set up a hazardous track with a bunch of checkpoints that we're going to race on for four laps. You're going to get two very different types of races here. And I think player count. Player count matters a lot here as well. You're going to have a different race doing one-on-one -on -one than you are with four people. Also, they have a solo mode coming out, and the Kickstarter is looking to introduce some new cards and additional hover cards to play with as well, so don't discount that. So that's my take on it. What do you think, Josh? Bit number six, replayability and variability. This is by far the most replayable and variable game I have played in a very long time. I keep saying that this is the most blank, blank, blank in a very long time. Well, that's because it's true. I may not play as many games as the average, you know, super gamer or whatever you want to call them, but I play enough games and prototypes to know when I see a good rulebook and when I can able to see replayability. The amount of tracks, I mean, did you get a chance to see the track booklet, Patrick? Oh yeah, that thing's like 50 pages. I mean, I love this booklet a lot. This, this provides so many tracks for you to look at. There's backstories to it. Each track has its own backstory, which just gives you more into the theme and the story and the world that this game is trying to build. And I find that really refreshing that, you know, it's not just, here's a bunch of tracks you can do, blah, 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 blah. No, it's, <laughs> hey, here's what this track is, and here's the story behind it. That's awesome. That makes you want to keep playing it and discover all these new tracks. And you don't even have to use a track booklet. You can just make up your own wonky donkey yes, tracks if absolutely. you like. And just go crazy. And don't forget about the different cars that you can select with the different pilots, the different ways that you can, you know, modify your, your hand of cards. There, There's just an exceptional amount of replayability here. Yeah, and the, the player boards, how you're able to mix and match, whether it be upgrades and cars and different types of racers, really fun and refreshing. I have my favorite. I'm pretty sure it's called the Expert. Where yeah, you, yeah. I think the Expert's the one where you can just kind of shoot forward really fast if you're behind. I personally like that one. Okay, well, we always come to bit number seven. A review is not complete without highlighting what might be considered a downside. So, Josh, I'm going to give my thoughts, then you give yours. I personally kind of struggle because there wasn't anything that I could point to and say, wow, I just don't like that part of this. But for others, I will say this can be a mean game. If I bump into your car, I get to push you probably into a wall. And if I destroy your car, I get a benefit for it. So in a fourth player game, I can. Uh, there's a world where one person takes a hit and then the next player hits them again. Then the next player finishes them off because it's beneficial to do so. Now, the poor blown up racer isn't out of the race nor guaranteed to lose, but it is a setback that can happen. This can be a mean game. And to me, that I didn't think it was a downside. I kind of like when a game lets you get nasty, but that I can see for some being a downside. What do you think, Josh? So there are some downsides to Mega Pulse, I will admit, but I think that this is a failure of most racing games. But Mega Pulse, in its defense, does this the best, 
where I think the more players you have, the better your experience is going to be. I played it at 2 and 4, and I personally preferred it at 4 because it's a little more chaotic and a little more things to think about. See, and I liked it at 2 because you don't have the chaos. I like having a, a little bit more control in the game. I had a really good time at 2. I still had a good time. Not as good as I had with 4, but the reason I say that 2 is a downside is because I could have that. I had that problem where I saw my defeat within like 4 turns. Oh, uh, yeah, the game. I suppose so that I was just, could happen. You know, I was trying. I'm one of those gamers where even if I see my defeat, I'm going to try my best. You never know. The other player might be stupid or something. But I was playing against the designer, and that did not happen. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he beat well, the I, crap out of me, too. I, I saw my defeat coming, and that could be a problem for some people. Some people don't like the feeling of knowing you're going to lose. They're just like, oh, what's the point? Throw it aside, you know, which shouldn't be your attitude if that is your attitude. But some gamers don't like that, and so if that's something you're afraid of happening, it's a possibility. Well, Josh, as you know, on Level Up, we don't like to say, oh, how did I rate this game? We like to say, was it fun for me, and who's it for? So uh, I'll take the floor again. Mega Pulse is a racing game that I can get behind. When I started getting into gaming, I was turned off by the idea of racing games because the thought of just outpacing someone isn't particularly exciting to me. Then I started to love racing games, but the one that I was playing were more like betting games. Camel Up, Downforce, it's just as much a betting game as it is actually racing. Megapulse is a racing game that is pure racing. It's a card game at heart that uses the track to introduce a wide variety of ways to utilize those cards. It feels like a game where the optimal player will often be the winner, and I like it. Now, who's it for? I think this is for gamers who want a solid card-driven racing game that offers a ton of customization from game to game. I can't stress enough, I think the base game is going to have something like 30 30 or more track tiles, which can make for some really fun setups, and, and they're adding more, I believe, all throughout the Kickstarter. You can set up for a quick game, a long game. This is going to appeal to players that just want to throw down some bombs, try and blow up other cars, and yet it's an intelligent game. It requires some thought. What did you think? So you can probably <laughs> tell from my uh, hype about this game that, yes, I do did think this game was fun. I'm excited. I'm going to back it the first day it comes out. Still trying to work out with the wife and finances if I can go all in. I hope I can because from what Nick said, the all-in pledge sounds really, really cool. I think this game is for people who want to get serious about a racing game. There are some racing games out there that people are very serious about. They are really into it. Um, the pitch card comes to mind as the one that you can get like the most expansions for. If you want to get really good at a game and devote some time to game, I think Mega Pulse is for you. If that's your kind of game style where you choose one game and you spend a lot of time with friends, a group of friends, and you want to, hey, we're going to race, race on this track, race, race on this track. We're going to set up times to do this. I'm going to play this player. This is the game for you. There's so much variability and so many things to become good at and explore that it's just an open world of possibilities. And I can see this expanding into a whole thing where you have your own Mega Pulse tournament day out of your friendly local game store or something like that. It could. It, there's so much here and I really hope it gets to that point with it. Well, there you have it. The 8-bit breakdown of Mega Pulse from Nicholas Fournier and live on Kickstarter now. Go on over there. Check this game out. It gets our... I don't know, seal of approval or whatever. We're getting two thumbs up. I don't know. We like it. We like it around here. Stick around, adventurers. We've got Nicholas Fournier in studio. We're going to talk to him about the game and at the very end, give him the opportunity to level up. Let's do it. (laughs) 
Adventurers, I have a treat for you today. I had the opportunity, as I stated, to sit down with Nicholas Fournier and play the game just a few days ago. Today, he joins us to talk everything Megapulse. Nicholas, how are you today? Hey, I'm very good. How are you? Oh, I can't complain. We've had some fantastic weather here in, in little western Pennsylvania. Nicholas, I want to cut right to the chase. You've got Megapulse coming out on October 26th. I'm getting amped up for it, but I want to learn a little bit more about the designer behind the game. Now, obvious influences. We talked about it all through the breakdown. This feels like F-Zero. It feels like Wipeout. Even a little bit of Mario Kart. Like if you replace some of those bombs with red shells, I'm getting a Mario Kart vibe here. So tell us a little bit about the influences behind Megapulse. Yeah, sure. Well, actually, it's funny uh, because we've been talking about Wipeout, F-Zero, uh, Mario Kart all this time. But at the very beginning, Megapulse was just about one thing, which is a loss of traction mechanic in the curves. Because it's a racing game, obviously, so there's some kind of danger in the curves, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but in Megapulse, when you take a curve, you're going to move a sliding out towards the outer wall and eventually going to take some damage. So that whole premise gave me an idea of a racing game where instead of slowing down in curves, you actually go as fast as possible, but just have to move sideways at some point. So kind of a racing game with side reactors on the vehicles, something like that. Mm -hmm. And that, that would like restrict your movement. So that just sparked an idea uh, in my head. And I immediately uh, like <laughs> snapped a futuristic theme to it because it just felt right. As we were playtesting, as we were going along, then people started to reference those games uh, from their childhood and was like, hey, that's actually it. So we tried to make it more and more uh, feel like those games, even though at the beginning it wasn't really meant that way. I see. So yeah. you sort of started with the mechanic and then developed the game, the theme of the game. I mean, obviously, when you have traction as one of your, your main mechanics that you're going to toy with, you're going to mm -hmm. lean towards racing. But really, the feel of, of like an F-Zero came a little after the fact after you started to hammer out the details yeah exactly because like there's always the question of like the the, the chicken and the or the egg is that the, uh, like the, the the question of what comes first yes. theme or mechanic in my case i usually don't start with neither a theme nor mechanic i start with a moment so i'm trying to find some kind of uh, moment in a game where people are excited so mm -hmm. maybe they exchange some some looks uh, maybe they have a smile on their face maybe they feel their heart pumping and i'm trying to find like what creates this emotion to them for them and usually it's uh, some kind of compromise some kind of dilemma they have in front of them and they're trying to take some risk so in Megapulse, it all started with just the risk and the dilemma of do you want to take some damage in those curves, but go faster, like play on edge all the time, or try to uh, go safer and drive sideways and lose some of your time, like trying to uh, have more precise movement. And at, at the beginning, that, that feeling was not even associated with a racing game. Per se. But yeah, it, it developed over time into a racing game and into one that would have more and more of a futuristic theme. Because at the beginning, we had this uh, 80s neon synthwave style to it. Mm -hmm. And we moved more and more into some kind of more strictly futuristic setting. And you can still uh, feel these early inspirations from the game board itself. People say it's really colorful, it's really neon, but these magentas and science color are really inspired by the synthwave and Tron vibes, you know. Oh, definitely get the Tron <laughs> vibes. <laughs> 
Nicholas, you said that this didn't start as a racing game per se, because you were trying to capture the moment, that that risk feeling, that risk sensation, Mm -hmm. Uh, trying to capture that in the game. And I noticed when playing, it didn't feel like other racing games. I've played a handful between Flamme Rouge, Camel Up and Downforce. There are plenty of racing games out there. Do you think that there's any particular one that this is similar to? To me, it felt remarkably unique compared to other racing games, which is wild because they're all predominantly about getting around a track, (laughs) but yours does things a little bit differently. Did you draw any of your inspiration from other racing games? I'm actually not really a racing game fan because I'm not a car guy. So like any racing games that are really motor car theme to it mm-hmm. uh where you need to take care of your tires of your engine all that stuff is not really my jam as i was developing megapoles uh, i had a futuristic racing theme which i like because i know i don't know a lot of people who actually enjoys cars and racing uh, in general but everyone loves mary kart right everyone <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> exactly because there's something there that people like and it's not about the cars it's not really about the racing itself it's about the interactions about placing bananas bombs uh, those red and blue shells uh just about the the, the chaos the fact that anyone can win at any time uh, and what question mark uh, box, <laughs> what what prize you're going to open, what exactly. weapon you're going to get next. Oh, yeah, exactly. So that's actually our main inspiration is from uh, a video game stand, uh, standpoint rather than a board game standpoint. I tried a few racing board games while developing Megapulse, but none really captured the feeling I was aiming for. So that's why there's not there is no big inspirations in the board game genre, right? Because instead of like focusing on the racing, focusing on strictly movement, we try to focus on interactions, on the the moment to moment action. We were trying to do something that felt really cinematic in players' head. So all these upgrade cards, all these boosts on the track, everything is, we're trying to make it feel as if you're really there. Like you are controlling the car, you feel like it's going fast, you feel like you're in control. And our simultaneous action selection also make you feel like you're trying to plan ahead, but it's going so fast you can't have all the control you'd like. So there you go. So board games, not that much inspired us. We tried to make something different, even with the theme. But in the video games, that's definitely where we took inspiration from. And I'll tell you what, it does feel fast. There are turns. Oh, my goodness. In our playthrough, that last turn, I was like, okay, I can play these three cards. I got no speed. But if I use these few cards, I can get past the finish line. If I stay in front of him, I think I'm going to be okay. Man, I'll tell you what, you played two cards and you added one ability and you almost made an entire lap around the track. You can't do that in other racing games. There's turns where it's like, okay, I can go fast, but then I'm going to fly into this corner and I'm going to go around the edge. And if he picks a bomb card, if he, if he wants to shoot me, I'm going to blow up. So there's a lot to consider that you don't, you don't necessarily have in other racing games. It is extraordinarily interactive between not just the simultaneous action selection and having to try and guess what they're going to do. Where's your position versus theirs? Where are you in the turn order versus the, the opponent, which matters. I mean, in our game, both of us, we had, we had an ability that you had the grappling hook, for example. So you could Mm -hmm. latch onto my car and swing around with me. And I had a uh, compensatory ability as well, where I could move up several spaces depending on how much further you were than me. So maybe there's some strategy there. Do I let him pull ahead? Do it? There's a lot of interaction going on. I want to shift focus a little bit to the art, the art in the game, mm-hmm. because it's relatively minimal. You know, I, I think of uh, 
games that that evoke a feeling that puts you in their realm and you think the more grandiose the artwork the more colorful the more it can suck you in yours is there for lack of a better way to explain it it feels like colorful silhouettes like the bombs have you know you can tell it's a bomb you can tell that there's a, a spikes on the you know things of that nature but it's really just a combination of colors why that direction yeah, so uh, we are trying to, uh, on the track itself, uh, have something more visually represented. So you see the track, you see the boost, you see the flags. But then we were trying to take inspiration from the wipeout, uh, redout graphic design. So we have something very clean, minimal- minimalistic. So uh, a lot of white, a lot of black text, but just these little squares, little design stuff that appears here and there. But in itself, it's pretty minimalistic. Trying to combine these two styles together, what you see in your hand as a kind of a physical UI, and then the track and in the middle, we try to have the player boards as a bridge uh, between those two. So you have the graphic design very minimalistic on your player board, but you have the hover car illustration that represents uh, your your car on the track. So your your eye kind of flows between those elements and see a continuity in that. But the graphic design choice in itself was simply inspired by Wipeout, but also something that I really loved and wanted to explore. So it's uh, like a 2D vector with three colors, right? So you have white, you have black, and you have whatever spot colors that is relevant. So if I'm playing as red player, I have the white, the black, and the red. Uh, but mm-hmm. the upgrade cards are black, white, and then multicolor, like a kind of rainbow foil thing. That's like the color of the upgrades. That way we can easily color code which elements belong to which player or to which part of the game while still evoking this really futuristic, clean, professional racer feeling. It's really clean, right? The overcars are really futuristic, almost feel like a spaceship. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, so it's sleek. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that the art and graphic design decisions were very wise. So you do, in fact, you feel like you're in a sleek, a sharp, you said professional. It feels clean and professional. And, and man, when you're when you're getting that car going, you feel it. You get sucked into this world through what you said is a, a relatively minimalistic art style, but it's appropriate for this game. And all the all the wild, all the color, everything that's popping, it's on the racetrack. And I love that. I love that. It makes it really easy to tell what I'm doing with my hand, really easy to see what's going on in the market while still getting sucked in up right now. I'm looking at my car and now I'm on the track. Now let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. It it pulls out that racing emotion. Now the Kickstarter's live. I'm sure we have some listeners coming from Level Up that have never even heard of Mega Pulse. Maybe they saw it on Kickstarter. Maybe some folks saw that it was up there and they wanted to learn a little bit more about the component quality. Tell us, what are we going to get in that box when we open it? Tell me about the race cars, the cards, everything component. Yeah, so uh, the first thing that people really liked is actually the player boards are triple layered. So uh, this is Is that even possible? (laughs) It actually is. Of player boards. <laughs> it's no harder than just sticking a third layer to a, a two-layer board. <laughs> so it's really easy. But it's actually quite uh, practical in our case because we have some upgrades that are passive upgrades that need to be slide under the player board. Uh, right. But they are divided in half because you have two levels on them. So depending on which side you put them under your player board, there's a different ability there. So having three layers uh, assures us that we can slide it under easily. And it, it, there's a stop of cardboard that stops 
stops the card from going too deep. So we only uh, see the, the first half of the card. And then all these little tokens that go into our player board, our speed gauge, our nitro gauge, uh, these whole tokens that serve as kind of a visual of how, how much your overcar is broken, as well as being an actual representation of your health points. You uh, will be moving these a lot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, having that triple layered board helps us have this really good feeling in hand, as well as a really practical, practical use to them. Then for the miniatures, we have these uh, four miniatures for each of the hover cars. There's miniatures for the bums. And we do have an early uh, stretch goal really early on the Kickstarter, which is to have better models for them, more detailed, uh, the bombs having uh, these cool effects of maybe being exploding and the, uh, the hover cars as well uh, be uh, really more detailed and uh, more interesting to look at. The big thing is really the tiles, right? The track tiles. Mm -hmm. So there's actually 32 track tiles in the box. Holy smokes. Um, and it takes about 12 to 14 tiles to make one racetrack. So there's enough for you to make all kinds of crazy tracks. Tiles that helps you uh, divide the track in two and join them back together. So you can create shortcuts. You can uh, create some uh, weird loops on the side. There are tracks that help you make even harder curves. The some track that we played on had a whole bunch of little boost spots. So like you yeah. you run you run your hover car into that spot and it's like, oh, you get a free jump forward. Man, I tell you what, you can play. You built our track. You know, we, we had a limited amount of time. So you I yeah. could tell by the time we were done, okay, he built this to be a quick track because man, you you could hit one and it'd shoot you forward twice. And then it, as long as you bump to the left, you'd shoot forward three more. You could also build your track to not have any of those. Exactly. So we have some tracks in the, we have a track booklet, right? We suggest a bunch of tracks mm. uh, in case people just want to, uh, to have a few options available. And in these tracks, there's a bunch that don't have that many boosts on the, on the track. So if you want to play more either casually or professionally, because uh, if you're playing with no boost tracks, then we really get to see like who <laughs> is playing the best uh, because there's no like help on the track. You're not going to uh, get comp compensation. <laughs> sure, sure. No, I'll exactly. never play with that. <laughs> so uh, there's like many, uh, many things you can do because there's a bunch of tracks that don't have them, a bunch that have them. And the fun part is mix, mix and mixing, matching them together. They're made so that when you mix two together, the end of one creates some kind of cool decision with the beginning of the other. They will either create a part where one side is faster, but the other side has a repair pad that helps you repair, or one that will push you in the wrong direction for the curve, but gives you some kind of cool bonus. Track is really a cool part of the components. And then if I look behind me, because I actually have the game right there, oh. uh, <laughs> that there's the cards. I, I know we might talk about You know about what you got to do? Hold them up to the camera so that all the listeners can hear it. <laughs> that's right oh, that uh, is a sight to see look at all those bits yeah there's a bunch of bits right there because i was divided into uh die cut patterns that, that's what mm -hmm. we're looking for but the the cool thing about the cards is we have some feedback at gen con because we chose to laminate the cards to make them stronger more resistant for many playthroughs and what uh, kind of feedback did you get from that People really love the plastic feel of the cards. Yeah. Uh, they said it felt more durable, um, even more futuristic, and it felt really great in their hands having this high quality uh, card. C cannot bend like the plastic just stays. It's not just another right. game card. This is a this is a chunky piece here. 
Yeah, exactly. We are trying to uh, find a way to have that maybe as, a, as an add-on, as a stretch goal, I think, to have the, the cards be plastic, because that will be really awesome. And right now we're uh, dis- discussing whether we want the cards to be plastic or have some kind of metallic foil on the cards to have them pop out even more. So the colored part on the card could have some uh, metallic oh, ink yeah. on them. Some of those four color <laughs> ones from the market with the rainbow. Uh, exactly. With the rainbow on it. <laughs> yeah, Man, the upgrade cards. Pop. I, you know, even when we were doing a playthrough, I thought he has got to add holographic foiling to some of these. <laughs> to your point, so much of it is yeah. black and white, and then you have a little bit of color. That would pop. Ooh. Definitely. So that's the question, because plastic cards, you can't really do that process of having some kind of holographic thing. Even if you uh, could, you'd lose a lot of it because the plastic has enough sheen in the light anyway. Yeah. Exactly. So we're trying to figure out uh, which one would be cooler and maybe have the second one as an add-on for people who wants to replace their n- normal cards with the other. Right. So there we go. We have like multiple pledge levels as many Kickstarters with uh, Deluxe components and then the ultimate version that comes with a, free, uh, a bunch of free add-ons and even more Deluxe components. So there's a bunch of things to be uh, <laughs> talked about, about, about like components if we go into the, these uh, higher tiers. You know, Nicholas, that's actually the next thing on the list is all things Kickstarter. We're live right now. We have a base pledge, a deluxe pledge. I want to find out about these add-ons. Spill the beans. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so there's a bunch of things we want to do with this game. Crazy ideas we've had along the way. Many of them come from you, the players who played at different conventions on TTS and gave us all good ideas. I gave Nick uh, <laughs> some of the best ideas for this game. Oh, yes. They, they're all, they, <laughs> all these ideas are Patrick's. Uh. <laughs> so... What we're trying to do is actually raise enough money to be able to print these add-ons. So as we uh, raise more money, as a stretch goal, we're going to be able to unlock a new add-on for people to purchase, to purchase sure. right? There are some classic stretch goals. There are some stretch goals that come as add-ons. And the more money raised, the more we'll be able to fulfill our dreams and make everything come true, right? As of right now, the different stretch goals include new track tiles to create even more crazy tracks, pilots, new race tracks in the track booklet, new game modes as well, because this is a heavily uh, modular game. It even comes with different game modes. So we have racing modes, which are which are all about racing fast, and derby modes, which are all about like hitting each other and trying to be the last man alive or I doing like some that. kind of other mini game. Yeah. So uh, we have new game modes coming uh, as stretch goals and some new upgrade cards. Uh, now, one that I'm pretty excited about uh, in the stretch goal, other than the stuff that are like normal quality upgrade, like linen finish and black core for the cards, is pilot arts, right? So f- right now it's just silhouettes on the, the pilot tiles. Mm-hmm. So we are trying to make them have like just full artwork for the pilots which would be really cool to see them finally alive other than not being just a basic silhouette, right? Right, right. (laughs) The actual representation of them, that would be cool. Mm -hmm. And then the game trays tray as well would be interesting to to unlock. So game trays are known for having all kind of crazy ideas of how to make your life easier when uh, storing components and when playing the game. So we have them that as a stretch goal. 
unlocking that like if by the time you listen we don't have that unlocked already <laughs> make sure to pledge just so we can have it because it's really really awesome spoiler <laughs> i'm pledging the day this comes out and now that i know that there's game trays as a stretch goal if i don't i'll pledge to several hundred more copies to make sure that game trays <laughs> become a thing for those that don't know game trays most listeners are going to know but these are just uh, think of it like an insert they're little trays that all of the bits and components that you're going to play with store in the box in these plastic trays. So whenever you want to play the game, you just take out the plastic tray, set it down, pop the lid off, and look at that. There's our market. Take this one out, pop the lid off. Look, there's all of our damage markers. Makes it really easy to set up and tear down a game. I exactly. digress. <laughs> so so, so that's it for the, the basic stretch goals. We have a bunch of new stuff and as well as quality of upgrade components. But then for the add-ons, that's where uh, it, it becomes crazy. So we have plastic cards we're talking about. So if you like your game to have plastic cards instead of normal cards, and yeah, you can purchase that as an add-on. We have the resin pieces, or acrylic pieces, sorry. So for the, the frenzy tokens, the upgrade tokens, the shield tokens, all these little tokens, you can have them uh, not as metal tokens, but as acrylic pieces. These feel really great in hand. They feel really uh, high quality. Oh, yeah. We have a miniatures add-on. I'm sure there will be an official name by the time you listen to this uh, <laughs> Kickstarter. Instead of having these uh, 3D cardboard stuff for the 3D flags or just a cardboard piece for the, the grapple token, we're going to have them as full-on miniatures you can place on the track. Uh, so the and, checkpoint uh, could be a plastic piece over top of it. Exactly. Uh, and then the uh, grapple token uh, that goes under the other hover car would be a full-on miniature. We see the grapple, we see the car being grappled. Then we have two bigger expansions. So these will be expansion boxes. Soul Flux. In Soul Flux, you have two new racers, two new hover cars. So in terms of hover cars, we have some kind of Ray Menta mystical hover car uh, that's going to be a turquoise teal color. Then there's the there's a big one like a really almost feels like if you're racing in a tank right it's a really big one that's gonna be the orange one and he has extra HP. They come with both their pilots so there's the Mystic and the Colossus. The Mystic can actually spawn some ghosts on the track that race with him, and the Colossus has some kind of crazy combo effect that when he takes damage he moves even more. I take it that's a slower moving <laughs> car to begin with that, that we well, use yeah. at higher health. So it's like, okay, you must not move as quick, but there you go. You start comboing things together and you can keep up. Exactly. There's the flight expansion included in, in that Soulflux expansion, expansion. So we have the Mystic, you have the Colossus, you have these two cars, but you start adding some 3D cardboard jumps on the track. Ooh. And when you take these, you gain the flight property where you're starting to flight and you, you move even more. And there's a bunch... Uh, all kinds of cool properties, but it comes with a few uh, track tiles and few upgrade cards that specifically interact with that flight mechanic uh, so that you can uh, get even more from that. So Excellent. That's a, <laughs> a Soulflux expansion. Then we have the Echo Flash expansion, adds uh, also, also two of our cars to pilots. So we have the Prodigy and the Hacker. So the uh, Prodigy has some sponsor cards, so they, they have more cars in their hands that are his uh, sponsors. And they uh, all have some crazy effects, but the more he's behind in the race, that's his catch-up mechanic, the more his sponsor start, uh, starts to help him. And then we have the hacker, who uh, in his lore is pretty funny. He wasn't even invited in the race. He just hacked the system to put him in his name on the, <laughs> on the list of attendees. 
uh, and uh, <laughs> the the hacker uh, has a bunch of crazy tricks he can do to to hack people and try to benefit from them. And with that comes some kind of Mario Kart style crates on the track, so that you can like, try to pick up these items that have different effects. Just as in Mario Kart, you can uh, pick up the crates, uh, see what the, fe- the effect like below the token, and then spend them whenever you like to have some cool tricks to have. Mm-hmm. So that's the Echo Flash expansion. I could go on. There's there's a two. <laughs> there's a few more. There's uh, the Planet Fall expansion, which have all kinds of weird track tiles. This is really the if you want to make crazy tracks, that's the expansion for you. So there's a, a, a cardboard 3D bridge that goes over the track. There's loops, you know, like in Hot Wheels when you can do the loop, uh, the yeah, 360 like the, loop. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Exactly. We're both doing the loop with our finger here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you have these loops and you have also all kinds of uh, weird track tiles that helps create all kinds of combinations on, on the track. That alone will help you make really interesting tracks you can post on Facebook. And I'm sure people will go, what the hell is this? So it's that's got to be for something to look at. <laughs> oh, I bet all those colors and, and loops and checkpoints. Exactly. Uh, plastic checkpoints. I never thought I'd be... <laughs> coming close to 40 and getting excited about a plastic <laughs> checkpoint on my table but here we are yeah it's all about the the 3d feel of stuff like yeah, when you have the, the planet fall expansion you see that that actual 3d loop and that that bridge it goes over and these checkpoints it starts to feel like you're actually in there well, it makes um, you that much more excited to get in it too you get, <laughs> exactly. you get sucked into the world you get more immersed in the game when it, whenever it's visually stunning like that mm-hmm. so when i talked earlier about like the cinematic feel of things that's one part of it is we're trying to like like players have these memories for these games like uh, Wipeout, F-Zero, and even, even Hot Wheels when you're just playing with your toy cars as you were little. And uh, we're trying to like bring all these memories, all these cool, crazy ideas they had and bring them into Megapulse. We also have a solo mode uh, as an add-on. It comes with a career mode where you can uh, try to go through some tracks, uh, some events, and try to outperform yourself, but also other AI overcars. So each hovercar in the game has an AI deck. So if you want to play against the purple hovercar, then his behavior is going to be different than if you're going to be playing against the yellow hovercar, which is all mm-hmm. about uh, combat. So you can choose if you want to play against one, two, or three of these enemy AIs. And then there's like the bronze, silver, and gold difficulty that you can play against. So with this uh, booklet, the, this, this career booklet, you can track your progress, track your achievements. There's all these stickers, some kind of medals you can add to your sheet that uh, helps you track which achievements you've got. That's cool. <laughs> so we're trying to make it like satisfying progress for solo players. Could you play uh, it as a one-off if you wanted? As a one-off? Yeah, uh, if you just wanted to like, I'm just going to set up and do one race. I don't want to yeah. do career. I just want to do one race and see if I can beat the uh, beat the AI. Exactly. Like You could definitely do that. The setup is very easy. It's very easy to grasp the mechanic of just how you flip the cards of the AI deck. You can definitely do that. And a cool thing about about the AI deck is that when you flip a card, that that's the behavior of the AI. It's actually condition based. So there's a, a little left part is if that condition is fulfilled, then do that action. If not, do that second action. So the AI can kind of react to you. So if you're close to them, they can try to shoot you. Otherwise, they will try to catch up to you. If there's a boost pad on their right, they'll try to do a sideways movement to that. That, uh, that boost pad if you're low on health they might try to collide with you so they, they're actually really responsive through this really simple uh you had to find a way then. to make the ai smart exactly 
and I can finally uh, end with uh like there there's a bunch of other ones, but the the last thing that players can probably be excited about we have a comic add-on if you want to read the comic with their origins, and we also have these prestige packs for each overcar. So in a prestige pack, you choose like your your preferred overcar. So for me, I love the X350. I can purchase the X350 prestige pack, and in that there's all kinds of metal components. So I have my metal hovercar, I have my metal uh, all tokens and chips for my player board, but I also have an uh, asymmetry hand. I have all these seven cards normally in the base game, and we all have the same seven cards except one that is unique to us, right? Mm-hmm. But if you buy the prestige pack, then each card in your hand is completely different from other people. So you still get to gain speed, gain nitro from some of these cards, but the way they interact with each other is really unique to your playstyle of that car. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get a new, exciting feeling of trying to figure out how this overcar plays well, how to combo each cards one after the other, and there's one for each of these cars. So you can choose like which ones you like to have more asymmetry for. Nick, there's one thing that I want you to talk a little bit more about are those hover cars. So many Kickstarters now attract us because of miniatures, and I assume that that's going to be some form of miniature. Tell me about the, like, I mean, when I open up this box, I want my little car. You will be getting that little car. So, uh, yeah, each car has a miniature. The super bombs you can place behind you to blow up people have their own miniature. So you will be, you will be getting that miniature 3D feeling to your play experience. These miniatures have a little base and they like float over that base with a little connector. Yeah, <laughs> the twin. little like clear plastic piece, right? Yeah, so you can get that the feeling that they're hovering over the track uh, good, because they're good. actually hover cars. They're flying over it. That's an anti-gravity racing game. That's a normal racing game, right? And we're trying to get these uh, the base to be transparent, uh, the, to be clear, so that you can just oh. like you know just get the feeling of the the hover car floating uh, and not be more as track much. that you can see underneath it. Yeah, exactly. The base of these hovercar miniatures also have a, like a triangular shape to them to help you see like which way uh, your hovercar is facing. Because if you're playing these derby modes like a uh, demolition derby and all that stuff, you can actually end up doing face to face against other players, and uh, the direction becomes important because you can move all of the way around. Makes sense. Um, there we go. We have a stretch goal where the miniatures are going to be even more detailed, higher quality. And if you buy your prestige pack, then you have that as a metal piece. Uh, yeah. So that, <laughs> that's basically it for the uh, the hovercar <laughs> miniatures, right? And there's one for each uh, hovercar, but you're, uh, you can mix and match the hovercars with the pilots. So you can choose to play as the SS Ultra, which is kind of a, an hover, ca- a hover bike from Tron. And then you can mix and match that with any pilot you choose. You can play as a Trickster, which has a grappling hook, the Expert, which can move diagonally, or even the Freak, who can like go crazy, gain nitro, and ignore damage from walls. So there's a, there's a bunch of customization there, but the, the center piece of your customization is going to be your hovercar, yeah. Nicholas, this has been a great time talking with you, finding out more about Megapulse. I am stoked. I'm telling you, by the time this airs, I'm already a backer. Before we let you go, though, on Level Up, we always like to give designers a chance to they themselves level up. So we're going to ask you eight questions, and I want the first answer that comes to mind. Josh, are you ready? I'm ready, Patrick. You ready, Nick? Yeah. Okay. Stopwatch ready. Three, two, one, go! Can you name a course from Super Nintendo's F-Zero? 
Uh, no, I cannot. I never had the chance to play F-Zero on the Super Nintendo. Which Megapulse pilot is your favorite to play as? Oh, wait, F-Zero, yeah, there's Big Blue. <laughs> Very good. Ah, okay, we'll count it, we'll count it. Which Megapulse, uh, which Megapulse pilot is your favorite? Uh, the Freak, I love the Freak. Pittsburgh is famous for its three rivers. Can you name one of them? Oh, God, I'm from Canada. I, I can't. <laughs> How do you say level up in French? Uh, augmenter de niveau. If you were what? <laughs> I'm glad we just have to say level up. <laughs> if you're watching a movie with a character named Andy Dufresne, what movie are you watching? <laughs> Andy Dufresne. Oh, God, I'm, I'm bad with uh, actor <laughs> names. I, I don't even know who, who he is. Can you name one of the many playable races in Twilight Imperium? Oof, I, I played the game uh, once, and I don't remember any names from, from it. During our playthrough, why didn't you let me win? <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was going to be a tight ending. Turns out, um, yeah, <laughs> I had a bunch of crazy upgrades I didn't remember about. <laughs> Last question. I notice you have on a Megapulse t-shirt. How do I get a hold of one? Oh, God. Um, uh, send me a DM. <laughs> I can try to find you one. <laughs> and time. You know what, Nick? I think that's a level up. We might not have given it to you, but you came through with Big Blue in the last moment. Now, you know what? Maybe that's not a little. You know, Patrick, I'd say that's a level up. It's always a level up. That's the dirty secret. The rivers. Yeah. Uh, oh, geez. You know, what? we're from Pittsburgh. I don't even think I can name the rivers. There's uh, Allegheny. <laughs> Monongahela and Ohio, but I'm not sure. There's also the yuck. There's a fourth one, but I don't know if it's one of the three. <laughs> I would have never guessed that. <laughs> if you ever see a picture of Pittsburgh or you're ever watching a sporting event, they always show the point, which is where the one river splits off into two and there's a fountain there. And you can go, we had lunch there a couple weeks ago. It's, okay. it's a really nice little park, but those are mm-hmm. the three. Our old stadium was Three Rivers Stadium. Uh, and it was, I don't remember if it was on. Oh, that's irrelevant. We'll give you the level up. Well done, Nick. <laughs> Thank you. Listen, before we let you go, I want to give you the opportunity to tell folks where they might go to find out more. We've got the Kickstarter page live. I'm sure mm-hmm. that's where you're going to be able to see all the visuals. Tell us a website, how we can get. If anybody wants to send you some hate mail, where can they do that? Uh, so you can actually uh, go to our Facebook group, uh, Megapulse, because we are really, really present there. We talk to our fans. We listen to feedback. We schedule uh, TTS playtests. Uh, so if you want to talk with us, chat with us, see, uh, talk with other fans as well, that's the place to go. And if you want to just stay updated on the game, we have our website, which uh, I'm sure we can probably link in the description of this podcast. Absolutely. Um, so on the website, uh, you'll find more info uh, about the game, which I, I'm sure there will, it will be also on the Kickstarter page. But if you're interested in future projects as well, that's the place to go. Nick, thank you so much for your time. You've got a fun game here. I remind listeners regularly that the people that we have on to talk about their game, it's not any time we play a game, we have them on. It's the ones that we really think this is a hit. This is a winner. Those are the folks that we have these side quests for. I'm really glad that you joined us for this one. I don't think I have to wish you luck. I I think you're going to be just fine. And I hope that this takes off. No pun intended. (laughs) Thank you so much, Patrick. It was a pleasure to be here. And of course, Josh, thank you so much for being a part of the show today, for being a part of the show in your Lost Loot segments. I'm going to leave the sign off to you. Thank you so much for joining us, adventurers. And remember, keep your campfires warm and your swords at hand, because you never know when you might have a chance to level up. 
Thank you so much for joining this adventure of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. We encourage all adventurers to check out our website at levelupgamepodcast.com. There you can submit your thoughts and audio to be used in a future episode. Please consider rating us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and join the Board Game Geek Guild, Guild 3722. Music for the podcast provided by Adam Haynes. Learn more at adamhainesmusic.com. And remember, you can spend another night on the sofa, or you can get some friends together, get some adventures on the table, and level up.